0: This is Beth Capici, and I have had a bit of a delay in recording a podcast. If you can tell, my voice doesn't sound exactly normal yet, but um, I had laryngitis last week, and my laryngitis bout happened to occur right when I was taking my 16-year-old, who's a junior in high school, on his first college visit. And I had to joke and say, Maybe God answered a prayer for you that I couldn't talk. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I, we left on Wednesday last week and no, I'm sorry, 10 days ago, more like two weeks, really. um, And I woke up Thursday with laryngitis. That was our second college tour. And then Friday, I had total laryngitis. That was our third college tour. And um, so anyway, it was kind of interesting um, with also a six-hour car ride roughly there and then back. We were in the North Carolina area, mostly a little bit South Carolina. But um, it's kind of ironic as I want to talk today about why kids and teens won't listen to their parents. And I have to say, raising teenagers has been a lot harder than I ever thought it was going to be. When my kids were young and toddlers, I found that totally exhausting, very, very stressful. And people would say, oh, just wait until they're teenagers. And I would kind of laugh and inwardly think, oh, that's going to be fun for me. That's going to be easy for me. This young stage is what's really exhausting and hard. But they were right. And I was wrong. And it has been very humbling so in case you don't know, I my kids are 16, 13, I'm sorry, I'm saying this in the wrong order, 16, 15 and 13, um, a boy and two girls. And some of you may not know that my private practice is roughly half teenagers and adolescents and half adults. So I love working with teenagers. And I think my teenage clients really like me too, which is part of why it's, A bit humbling and shocking that my own kids won't listen to me. (laughs) They rarely listen to me. And I'll just also say that my 16 year old son has given me the biggest run for my money this last year. Um, I guess different kids have their most challenging phase at different times. I've had people say things like, oh, I couldn't stand my son when he was 14 or "You know, he drove us crazy when he was 16. Um, I would say this last year or so has been the hardest. Um, and he, he really is a good kid. I don't wanna make him sound like a bad kid. He's a normal teenager. And this is really why I wanted to talk about this so that you would know you're not alone. But also to let you know what's normal, because one of my biggest pet peeves or concerns or whatever you want to call it is when parents berate their kids for doing what is normal, like not talking to you very much. Um, and this is developmentally normal. If you look up some articles on adolescent development, teen development, you will see that this is what they're supposed to be doing and it's really hard. And I know there is a a continuum. And if, if a child totally cuts you out, that's probably not normal and I'm not going to get into all the specifics today of, um, you know, where that line is. Um, that's kind of a long topic, but, I want you to know that I do feel your pain and it has been very painful for me and hard. And as a parent who, ironically, I'm a psychologist, I'm middle-aged. I wasn't 20 when I had my kids. I was in my 30s when I had my kids. So you would think that if a middle-aged psychologist would not find this very easy to understand or deal with, then it's like, This is probably just really hard for everybody, Um, and I think it is. I also am prone to guilt and prone to questioning myself. So my line of thinking often goes to this is probably somehow my fault, and I've probably made this worse, and I'm sure in some ways I have, but because this is kind of a universal thing, um, you know, in many ways, in most ways, it's probably not my fault, Um, And a, a whole side note as well is introverts versus extroverts. And also you could look at gender stereotypes. I mean, my son is our oldest, so he's probably, you know, the biggest guinea pig. He is a boy and He is definitely more on the introverted end. I don't think he enjoys talking about his day very much. So there's a level of that that I just need to accept. And that's something we all need to think about, like who our kids are and their personalities. And it's just not fun for him. In fact, excuse me, I saw a man in his 30s last week who's in a committed partnership and his partner, she is always wanting him to talk about his day and he does not like talking about his day. Um, so, you know, it's not always just an age thing either. You got to think about different factors, but anyway, I'm going to stay on track. So, um, and I can remember a few years ago, my girls, and at the time they were probably like 11 or 12 or something. They, they, were whispering about who one of them had a crush on. And I was like, well, aren't you going to tell me? And they were like, no. And I, I was kind of hurt. I, I sort of thought it was funny, but I was kind of like, my goodness, like, do they not trust me? And this is awfully young for them to be, you know, having secrets like that. I kind of expected that at 14 or 15, but not like at 11 or 12. So Um, but yeah, when your child is doing what's developmentally appropriate, which is trying to prepare to fly the nest, try to figure out life on their own to berate them or punish them or guilt trip them would not be healthy and it would do damage to the relationship. So I find myself often in a dilemma of, you know, sometimes I've wanted to almost force my kids to talk to me like sit down and don't you move until we've had a good conversation. Um, but I kind of know intuitively that that will backfire and you don't want your kids to feel like a hostage or a prisoner when they talk to you. So it's really, really challenging to figure this out. So, um, all right. I guess that's kind of a good enough intro. Um, I, I will say this too. My son also has been more defiant with me lately and it's been very hurtful. And I mean, honestly, sometimes I feel very helpless and a sense of despair and a sense of hurt and a sense of confusion. Um, you know, I can't even tell you all the emotions, but it really has been very hard. And a lot of my friends have heard me venting about my, my pain and my stress with my son specifically. And sometimes it's my daughters, but as I said, he's been in kind of an unusually pushing back mode lately. Um, and so I'll give you an example of that actually couple one is, you know, Hey, could you help us? We, um just made dinner we had a long day at work could you maybe make this your night to clean the dishes Ugh, i don't want to disappears i'll do it later i'll do it after the shower could you please just do it now no i'll do it after my shower and then you know at 11 o'clock we notice he's not not done it i mean that has happened countless countless times and um you know, just a power struggle and I give up and then we get resentful and my husband and I probably make some guilt trips and, or, you know, kind of, um, I don't know, a little bit of belittling or something like that. And my husband loves to say, I would have never gotten away with that when I was a child and you guys are so spoiled and, you know, anyway, um, I'm sure you can relate. Another one is, trying to get him to take the SAT or ACT prep. um, uh, What do you call it? Just a preparation test, like a practice test. And I had, you know, it's hard to find the bandwidth to stay on top of this stuff. And we're a bit behind. A lot of his peers have already taken those tests and he hasn't. So I got a little bit of bandwidth together, researched, um, you know, how to get a practice test printed it out, brought it home um, and, and, you know, said, please take this test. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. And so then I was like, can you please just take one or two of the practice tests and time it? So over two months, we've had this since around Christmas time, over two months, it has taken me to get him to take three practice tests and I think there are six or seven on there. And I just kind of gave up like it was such an uphill battle. And I just was like, OK, I, I can't do this. So anyway, those are a couple examples. Um, definitely, he doesn't like to talk to me about his day. And, you know, if I ask him, oh, you know, who's who's having a birthday party? You don't know them. Well, who are you going to the dance with? You don't know them can I take a picture of you before the dance? No, no, we'll take them. We'll send them to you. So anyway, lots of rejection, lots of pushing off delaying. And, you know, I just think, should I put up with this? Uh, is, should I punish him for this? Is this normal? You know? So anyway, this is definitely kind of turning into a counseling session. Um, I will say this, we did turn a little bit of a corner, On our college trip, it was just me and Brogan and it was really, really special time. We really don't get a lot of one-on-one time. We've never taken a trip together and we were gone for about two and a half days and he has been definitely nicer, softer and sweeter to me, but still kind of like, I don't want to have to do anything I don't want to do and none of your business attitude, Um, but a little more respect and kindness. So thank goodness for that. Um, okay. So when I was preparing to talk about this, and I, I also see parents who will be in despair over their kids, like, is this normal? You know, should I accept this treatment? Why don't they talk to me? Why do they share everything with everyone but me? And so I have to guide parents through this. I talked to teenagers about Um, issues they have with their parents and communication. So it's very challenging. Um, So I came across a really, really good article and I can't wait to read the book. Um, This article was written by a man named Carl Pickhart. He's a PhD and the article is through psychology today. It's called a detachment theory of parenting adolescence And his book is called Surviving Your Child's Adolescence. And this article came out in 2013. So, um, but it was full of nuggets. I just absolutely loved everything in it and um, really do want to read that book. So I'll share some of the best advice that I got from this article and Basically, he said that when a client or someone asked him, what is the major task of adolescence? um, What is the point of raising an adolescent? And he immediately said detachment. And he went on to say that he believes the first eight or nine years of a child's life is attachment parenting, which you can read all about. And after age nine, that is the stage of detachment parenting. Isn't that interesting? And it brings to mind, did you all know in the old days that a lot of kids would be sent off to boarding school at age like 10 or 11, or they would be working their family's farm. Um, But it was routine to send, you know, your kids away at that stage. And there's a well-known author named Lisa Damore that wrote a book about adolescent girls um, her book is is geared toward girls, but she really says that from age 12 to 18, your kids are really just trying to prepare to leave and gradually separate and detach. So um, just a few highlights of this article. Um, Dr. Pickhart said some of the really big questions or dilemmas relate to these questions. And I thought this was really profound. I didn't write them all down, but parents have to decide when to hold on or when to let go, when to let struggle or when to ignore, when to forbid or when to allow, when to restrict or when to release. Those were a few of the issues that he brought up. And the, I mean, I mean, it's just an everyday battle on, on big issues, small issues. You know, can we spend the night with a group of people after a school dance? You know, um, should should we intervene and help them if they were laid on a paper? You know, should we remind them, should we wake them up in the morning if they have trouble getting up to their, uh, you know, alarm? I mean, on and on, in big and small ways, these dilemmas hit us every single day. Um, So then he talks about five psychological engines that drive adolescent detachment. and, And they're in no particular order. But one is separation for the sake of independence. So that is where they really want more social independence. And they build a social family of their own. I've told a lot of my teenage clients that lately and a lot of parents, I'm like, your kids are supposed to be leaning less on you and more on their peers. They're trying to find a tribe and a community so that they can be independent and not, you know, sadly, it's not natural for um, your parent to stay your main confidant throughout your teenage years. I mean, that's kind of hard to say. And I don't, mean to say that it's not good for kids to be somewhat open with their parents, but they really need to kind of spread their wings and spread their social um, net and, you know, have friends and community outside of the household. The second or one of the others is differentiation for individuality. They're trying to develop a new and unique identity, and that might be the way they dress. That might be their hobbies, like... You really sort of need to sit back and watch them develop into who they are and be their unique self. I have literally seen a a mother daughter before that was almost solely because of the way the daughter dressed and wanted to cut her hair. And the mother just didn't like it. And the daughter felt very unaccepted and very like she couldn't be herself. And it was a huge, huge rift. Um, so we do need to let our kids, whether it you know relates to um, their friends, the way they dress, their style, their personality, um, their hobbies. Sometimes we try to push our favorite sport or our favorite instrument or our favorite hobby on a child that just isn't into that. And that can do a lot of damage, even though our intentions might be really good. But our kids are not our twins and they have a right to experiment in their lives. Just like we had that right. We may not have been given that right, but we need to give them that right to figure out who they are and how they want to express themselves. My youngest, who's 13, loves to groom and primp and do makeup. And I honestly feel like sometimes that's a bit vain and it's a bit of a waste of time. I don't, I'm don't. i not trying to be judging, but my husband, husband and I both feel that way. And we try not to give her a hard time about it, but that's just who she is. She. It's a hobby for her. She loves fashion. She loves primping. And, um, you know, it's, I guess, you know, we might not have chosen her to be that into to that aspect, but that's who she is. And I think it would do damage to our relationship with her and to her psychologically, if we go on and on about that. So and sometimes we do say things like, you know, sweetie, you look great. Like, you know, there's some other things you could be doing um, than that. (laughs) So um, okay, next one expansion for the sake of growth. This involves like new worldly experiences, like what is this person old enough to do or not old enough to do? Are they old enough to walk around the mall with friends by themselves without an adult? Are they old enough to walk around downtown? Um, You know, how late can they stay up? Like what new privileges can they tolerate or are healthy? And just to kind of expand A broader world for them slowly, not too fast, but not holding them back to where they're being treated like nine-year-olds when they're 14. Then another stage is opposition for the sake of autonomy. They want to kind of push back and rebel for the sake of independence. They want to operate on their own authority and not on their parents' terms. This is a lot of what I'm getting from my son um and then the last one is responsibility for the sake of maturity. So they want to freely make more decisions. Um, you know, trying to figure out what they should be held accountable for and that kind of thing. So, um this article is very very worthwhile and um worth your time. So this is just a summary. Okay, so I'm going to read you a couple more and then I'm going to try to wrap up. But this, I couldn't believe how much this part hit home for me. And I guess what I need to do is detach a little bit. And this doesn't mean like cut off my kids, ignore them, but just kind of give them space and separate a little bit myself. Um, Give them some room so, yeah, I was blown away by these five things. So I'll just read some of this verbatim. It says, In the face of this multi-dimensional push for detachment, now parents find themselves challenged to do more letting go. Five signs of parents letting go and beginning their own detachment in no particular order are these. First, Detach by accepting that they will be less fully informed, like the parents will be less informed about their kids' lives. We must get on by less information from our adolescent than we would ideally like to know. Like we just have to live with it. You know, we're not going to know everyone who's at the party. We may not know the name of the person who has a birthday party. Our kid may not tell us who they're going on a date with. Um, That's kind of hard to swallow, but, you know... I guess it's healthy. Um, second, parents detach by accepting that the relationship will become less compatible. I've had several people say this. It's supposed to make it easier when they go to college because they, they kind of push back and cause so much friction and butting heads. By the time they leave, you're not devastated anymore. Um, sometimes. Um, the quote is, we do not share as much in common as we once did, and we have more differences to bridge between us. Thirdly, parents detach by accepting that they will be left more alone. We are no longer our child's favored company. Now the company of peers socially matters more than being with us. That is normal. And we should not guilt trip our kids for this and make them feel like they're bad or they're mean or they're cruel or take it personally. And it really is hard not to, um, I have definitely been dealing with some internal grief and sadness over this stuff that I haven't voiced very much, um, to my kids more. Like I said, to Remo or (laughs) some friends or my parents, um, So, um, yeah, but that is normal and that's what they're supposed to be doing. Okay. Last two parents detach by accepting that they are now less in charge. We have less influence to get our way as our adolescent makes more independent choices. Um, so yeah, that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, it, it is harder to influence our kids and they are supposed to be experimenting with making more independent choices and hopefully accepting the consequences of those choices as well. Okay, last one. Parents detach by accepting that they will encounter more opposition. Amen. We will have more disagreements now, and when we choose to contest those disagreements, we will have more conflict. So anyway, Um, I don't want to go on too long, but I strongly urge you to read this article. And I'm guessing that um, this man's book is really good since this article is so good. And it's a pretty long article. So um, I've really only shared probably 20% of it with you. Um, So I think that a good conclusion would be Um, you know, just try to read more about natural teen development, adolescent development, and find ways to maybe have discussions with your kids and just say, hey, this is hard for me sometimes, but I know it's normal. And, um, you know, if they'll sit down and listen to you, that's hard for a lot of parents to get that to happen. Um, And I always urge parents to remember your job is to do what's healthy and best for your kids. And I tell the teenagers this too, that is your parents' job. And trying to find that balance between warmth, nurturance with rules and authority and discipline is really hard, but somewhere in the middle is where we should aim. So good luck. Just know you're not alone. And clearly I don't have it all figured out. I'll I'll post these links. um, in the description of this podcast episode so that you can find um, some books and some articles to read.